It's Monday, March 14th, from south by southwest in Austin, Texas. This is Market Foolery. I'm Chris Hill. I'm with Matt Argersinger and Simon Erickson. Guys, we're here. It's great to we be are here. here. Great stage. We got a great setup. We are, we do have a great setup. We are in the trade show area. You, um, listeners can probably hear the the noise in the background. Uh, before I forget, I have to thank Peter Lewis, one of the main organizers of South by Southwest Interactive, uh, for reaching out to us almost a year ago, um, asking us to come to this. Um, and Elizabeth, who is part of Peter's team, and she's running the show here at the podcast center. Um, yes, we're up on a stage. Obviously, it's an audio podcast. People can't see this, but we're, we're, we're tweeting stuff out. We tweeted out a photo. And, uh, and I'm told, and I like to think Elizabeth isn't lying to us, I'm told that the flowers that are on the little table in front of us are the same flowers that were in front of President Obama when he was here just a few days oh, ago. No kidding. That's so, impressive. I feel, I feel so much, I feel so presidential right I was, now. <laughs> I was about stage. to move the flowers, and I was like, oh, well, you know what? No, got to keep them. We'll keep them. <laughs> um, I, I feel like we could do several weeks this is this this is south by week south by southwest week on market foolery but i feel like we could do several weeks given what simon I, you and i have seen over the last couple of days maddie just got in last night so i'll start with you uh, what strikes you so besides the overwhelming volume of breakout sessions of content of businesses uh, and we'll get to all of the exhibitors at the trade show in a minute, but any themes striking you so far? There is, Chris. And, you know, first of all, South by Southwest is really a glimpse into the future, right? This is the, the front of the tech wave. It's going to affect most of our daily lives five, ten years out, maybe even less than that. And so this is kind of the first glimpse of what's going to be more and more prevalent in, in technology. Um, the first one, I guess, that I'm saying, I've really seen two trends. This is all enabled by what we have come to know as the internet is really becoming more of a connected world where it's not just we're sitting down at a desktop computer surfing on the World Wide Web anymore, but we've got internet connectivity in our homes, in our cars, in our offices, in our hospitals. Everything is now in the cloud and that's just, there's just an eruption of data which is enabling some really cool stuff out there. The, the first trend that I think is, is coming from that is that the world on the internet is becoming more personal now. Uh, companies are starting to behave a lot more like politicians, where they're trying uh -oh. to look at is that <laughs> constituencies. A good, is that a good thing? I don't know. It could be good, it could be bad, but it's, it's much more personalized, where it's, you know, are you, are you looking at the internet to try to find financial information, or sports information, or, you know, World Series of Poker? I mean, there's all of these kind of demographic uh, subsets that advertisers are going after and, after. and because they have so much data on us now, they're really targeting their messages. So it's a much more personal internet than it was even five years ago. Yeah, I, um, I've, there have been a few sessions that I've attended so far. One that I just sort of happened to, it was a room, I, I, I walked in the back. I don't even know the gentleman who was speaking on stage, but he, he, what, one of the things he said uh, ties into what you just said, Simon, which is he was talking about how our smartphones, you know, the phone that you have in your hand, that's becoming smarter about you. We're becoming dumber, but the phones are becoming smarter about us. And certainly, that, you know, Maddie, data and how companies collect it and what they can do with it, that's, that's certainly one of the themes. Oh, it, it's so powerful. And you know, we're, we're an investment company at The Motley Fool. That's, we're picking great investments and teaching people how to find stocks is kind of what we do. But it's also about reaching people 
reaching new investors, um, and we have a we have a digital and mobile world, and as Simon said, we have a world that's that has so much data about us and about everyone else. And so what I'm what I'm really interested in is just how how does media um, how do technology companies, how do consumer companies, how do they reach people nowadays? How do they entice them to subscribe to content or interact with their websites? And so there's a lot here about you know kind of the future of media and how media interacts in, in, in a world where you know data is moving faster, information is moving faster than ever, intention spans are about as small as they've ever been. And that, that to me is a very interesting theme here at South by Southwest. Sorry, Matt, I was trying to pay attention, but I was focusing on something else during there that you last go, right? Exactly. <laughs> uh, medical technology is, is I, I don't know if you've had a chance to get to any of the sessions yet, but I remember when we first got the schedule, Simon, and we were going through breakout sessions, speakers, things we wanted to see, medical tech was something that was catching your eye. You know, that's something that's really interesting right now too, Chris, because big data scientists, it was kind of a buzzword five years ago. A lot of people were skeptical about it. And now you're actually starting to see investments in that space and it's starting to get integrated. Some of the interesting statistics is, is in the United States, one in 20 patients is misdiagnosed every year. 80% um, of heart attacks and strokes are preventable based upon lifestyle. And 14% of Medicare patients are readmitted within 30 days of their procedure which is costing the system about $41 billion a year. So the idea is to look for correlations between demographic data, between procedural data, between hospital data. Like there's all of these things that, that data scientists are trying to correlate to each other to try to improve the outcomes and reduce the costs at the same time for the whole healthcare system. And as we know, our healthcare system in America is pretty inefficient right now. That's being kind, I would say, <laughs> for sure. Um, I said at the top that you know it's Monday. We're taping this on Sunday. Uh, the trade show is just open within the last hour or so. Uh, yesterday was the first big full day of of various breakout sessions. The film uh, South by Southwest is going on um, tomorrow. I know you guys are both going to be in the room when Kevin Plank, CEO of Under Armour, is going to be speaking. Anything in particular you're going to be listening for? Um, what was the acquisition that they made last year? They made some acquisition of some um, uh, di digital health company that... Map My Fitness, I think it was. Map My Fitness, that was it. Um, I don't know, I feel like it, I, I, I would want to hear a little bit more about how they're going to be using that, um, but what about you, Maddie? Well, I, I, I think what I want to hear is just, I really want to hear about the, the, the practicality of wearable technology. I mean, this is a, this is a really a theme that we've been hearing about, learning about, and seeing, you know, for years now. But I guess I really want to know, when does the, you know, technology rubber hit the road, literally, for something like, for a company <laughs> like Under Armour? When, when, is, when does it get mass adoption? And I think, it is in small bits, but I guess, when do I put on a pair of running shoes, let's say? And the running shoes have just loads of sensors in them that, you know, show me, like, not only keep track of where I'm running and how I'm running and how far and, and all that stuff, but, you know, even, even sh tell me how I can improve my gait when I run or improve my strides or increase my tempo and things that are, you know, things like that. I mean, those are all, you know, technologies that I think are possible and we've seen sort of examples of them, but when, when, when do I go and buy a shoe at, at my running store that has all those features? And so it's really just about, to me, the, when do we see the practical applications of wearable technology? So I'm really interested in seeing, <coughs> seeing what Kevin Plank has to say about that. Uh, I think it was 2014, Matt, that you were at CES out in Las Vegas, and that was the moment where y you've 
described look, going to the trade show, seeing rows and rows of 3D printing companies, and thinking to yourself, oh my goodness, there's no way in the world these, all of these companies, like most of you don't realize it, but you're not going to be here in a few years. Either someone's going to buy you, or you're just going to be gone. I'm curious, Simon, if you've had any moment like that so far where, where you've looked at, and there's all manner of businesses uh, on display at South by Southwest, but I'm wondering if there's anything that you've looked at and thought to yourself, maybe not as, as, in as big a way as Maddie looked at the 3D printers, but anything that you've looked at and you've thought, ah, this might be a little overdone. Well, every year, I would say that's actually the case. And, and CES is prime example too. That's actually part of the fun of attending these events as an investor, is you can think about this in the bigger picture of how are these companies really going to make money off of what the biggest trend is out there. A after 3D printing, I would argue that, that drones was the next thing that was just going to erupt into this huge trend you couldn't miss out on. And then I would say right now, you've got a whole lot of companies trying to make money off of virtual reality, which is the newest trend. And we typically will see the initial response to these markets being in hardware. And as we all know, hardware is a brutal industry. Lots of competition, low margins, it's just, it's tough. But eventually you'll get so many hardware devices out there that the data and the, the, the insight from all of that will bubble up into software or into a platform. And I really think that those are the companies that you want to look for that are really going to capture the value of these things going forward. Yeah, and I would say that shows like South by Southwest or CES or E3, these big trade shows and expositions, uh, they are, for investors, they are great sources of understanding the hype cycle, which is a, a term we use a lot. But you can sort of see when things are either nascent, emerging, or they've hit some kind of threshold of, of you know, in, in bubble territory. And I think two years ago, it was so clear to me, at least, coming away that uh, 3D printing had, had hit some kind of bubblicious you know, area of the market. Uh, and we've seen what's, what's, what's happened since. And I, I think Simon's mentioned some great examples of that as well. So you know, as an investor, I think we're going to see a lot of things here. You're going to read about a lot of things in the media uh, about what went on here. Um, but understand um, that hype, hype sometimes meets reality. Uh, most of the time, it doesn't. And so therefore, understanding what, it, what actually is practical. And that's why I kind of want to hear from Kevin Plank, you know, hey, all this stuff is great, but we're, Under Armour, you're making your 99% of your revenue still probably over the next few years is going to come from your sport, just normal sports apparel, shoes, things like that. It's, it's the, the wearable stuff or the software, the data, it's all, it, it's additive to your business, but it's not, it's not revolutionary yet. Uh, and so that, those are the kinds of things. When, when, is all the, when do all these technologies and ideas meet mass appeal and mass adoption? And so the, the market tends to price them way ahead of that, and that's what we have to be afraid of. There was an interesting uh, conversation yesterday. The gentleman that founded Siri, which ended up being acquired by Apple, was talking about how the original concept for Siri came about because uh, speaking into a smartphone was seven times faster than actually typing on it with your, with your, with your hands. And he started talking about cars now as the next big big thing for, for stuff like this, hardware systems. To t you think about how much hardware is in, is in your car even already. You've got you know, climate control, you've got entertainment systems, stuff that rolls down the windows. There's a lot of individual hardware components to that that all have kind of communications with each other. But he's talking about a world where you can get in your car and say, okay, power on, roll the windows down. I want to listen to the Beach Boys. And it's all just voice activated, but all of those systems have to play nice with one another. But the real benefit is the convenience to the user. You know, it's, it's getting to the point we have so many apps on our phone that we can't keep track of all of them and go through everything. There's, there's still a time element that you only have so much time to go through all that stuff, but if there's a compiled system that manages all that, 
That's the holy grail of data. I want to move to entertainment and media, and, and Maddie, you had touched on media before, uh, but I, I want to go to these two for just a second because I was in a session yesterday about uh, television, and it was largely aimed at creative people who are looking to get on television, basically create a, a television show. And uh, and just to be completely blunt, I ended up leaving the session because it, it just wasn't it wasn't as uh, I, I was looking for more on the business side of television, and there was not nearly as much. So I ended up leaving, and then uh, ended up joining Simon in. Um, and we'll go to that one in a second. But but one of the things that got brought up at the beginning of this was something that has stuck with me, which is um, the question was raised by the panel when we talk about television we need to ask the question, what is television? Is it because, and, and it just sort of struck me like, oh right, I suppose we do need to ask that question because we're now at a point where um, broadcast television networks, CBS, ABC, NBC, Fox, are working just as hard to push their own mobile experience and certainly if you think about the success of shows like you know, The Tonight Show with Jimmy Fallon uh, and Colbert and just sort of all the different things that they're trying to do on YouTube. Uh, I, I really think we have crossed the point where television as we once knew it, I think that's completely gone. And I think that the reason we reach that point is because the broadcast networks themselves reach that point. Yeah, you think it had to be, it had to come from there eventually. I mean, before, it's one thing if uh, a, a cable channel like AMC starts streaming some of their shows. But as soon as a major network like a Fox or an NBC or ABC says, no, this is, this is the, this, these are the platforms we want to be on, yeah, it's, it's a total game changer. I think Reed Hastings at, actually at CES, uh, you know, a few months ago, kind of, you know, he kept using the word internet TV. Before, if you thought about Netflix, it was always, well, a, you know, streaming video. You're streaming video on your, on your mobile phone or your tablet or on your computer. Uh, and, and really now, it is really about internet TV and about, you know, we're platform agnostic. I just want the shows or I just want the, the channels that I'm interested in. And I really just want it where I want it, when I want it. And it's, there's no such thing as, as, as set schedules or predetermined channel numbers or anything like that. Uh, and it, it's truly a different world. It's totally disrupted. Simon, can you share, because I, I left that session and joined the one you were in. I only caught the last 10 minutes or so. But uh, uh, Max, is it Levchin? Levchin, it? yes. Who's the, who once upon a time was the chief technology officer at PayPal. That's right, yep. I was floored by just how smart this guy is. He's and superhuman. <laughs> uh, it, it really wouldn't be all that shocking to discover that, yeah, he was, he was part Android or something like that. But, but he, he was ostensibly there to talk about financial technology, uh, cons you know, consumer finance and technology, but ended up touching on um, cryptology and uh, sort of all of the, not cryptology, I, uh, yeah, just sort of uh, what's going on between Apple and the FBI and uh, it really does see, and, and obviously listeners can't see this, but looking around the vast uh, trade show, um, one of the whole sections um, is around security. And uh, you know, this one huge booth asking the question, are you hack proof? And it really does seem like that becomes more important than ever before. 
Well, well Max Levchin is brilliant. He's probably the smartest guy in the room, in any room he's in. And he had thousands of people listening to him at South By, and I still think he was the smartest guy in the room. Um, one of the things that, that he kind of focuses on is, is a word that I wasn't even familiar with before yesterday, which is ben beneficence, which is basically the idea that companies need to be doing good things for their customers. And the maximum value for a customer should translate potentially into the maximum profit for the company. And that's not always the case. That sounds like it should be the case, but it doesn't always work that way. And he's got a new company now called Affirm, which is going after the financial, the financial services industry. Um, a lot of mistrust of, of, of consumers, of their bank, of, hey, if I take this loan out, are they going to screw me if I miss a payment? There's just kind of a black box behind the scenes and stuff. And so he's trying to make that more transparent, make this good for the consumer. He's continually done that. Um, but, but I think he's, he's brought up some really point, interesting points. One of the biggest being that he still thinks that humans should be the decision makers and data should always be a tool to that. And keep in mind, this is an informed opinion, chief technology officer of PayPal. He's you know, an incredible computer scientist that's just done amazing things with computers. So the robots aren't taking over he, anytime soon. He embraces soon. The, the, our, our overlords that will be <laughs> cyborgs, but he still thinks that humans should be the ones making decisions for businesses. Maybe the robots aren't taking over anytime soon, but when you walk in the door at the trade show here, the first thing you are struck by is robots. Massive, massive robot shaking people's hands. Yeah, it's yeah. There's <laughs> there's a robot that's I don't know. Well, how big is that thing? Ten uh, feet tall. It had to be at least. I, I can't imagine how much it weighs, but the, the, it's it's a little um, it's a little imposing. Shall we say? <laughs> um, before we wrap up, what's um, what's something you're going to be looking for as you go into sessions uh, over the next few days, Maddie? Um, it can be about industries. It can be about um, trends. Uh, it could be about public companies because there are certainly a lot of um, a lot of good ideas in the room. Uh, I'm not sure that all of them make it to the public markets. I think it's much more likely that some of these good ideas end up getting identified by big companies with deep pockets that can probably do more with the idea. Two public companies come to mind, two that we actually own in the million dollar portfolio that Simon and I are on is um, Activision Blizzard being one, the big video game publisher, and then Twitter. And the reason I bring those two up, if you think about video gaming in today's world, we are rapidly moving away from the console or the PC to a, you know, to, to mobile, to virtual reality eventually. And I really want to see where a company like Activision Blizzard, who really undeniably has some of the best content, video gaming content out there in the world, how can they literally plug into all these platforms and can they be successful? And so part of that is me recognizing that virtual reality is probably at the peak of the hype cycle, which we talked about earlier. And, but it is going to be a platform. Um, and, and companies like Activision Blizzard are going to be able to take advantage of that. I bring up Twitter because Twitter to me is, it, it, to me it's one of the most important media companies in the world uh, on a personal level. Uh, and I want to figure out how, you know, in, in, this, in this digital information world, uh, how, how a company like Twitter with things like Periscope, for example, uh, you know, where, where are they here at South by Southwest? And what's the future for a company like that? So those are, those are kind of two of my companies that I'm offshooting to find out more information. Yeah, I think we talked about this uh, last week on Market Foolery with Jason Moser about how a year ago at South by Southwest, 
one of the big stories coming out of it was Meerkat and live video streaming. Right. And here we are a year later, and Meerkat is, is giving up on live video streaming, and it's Periscope and it's, it's other companies that, right. that basically just came in and took them out. It's a fast-moving like fast digital media world. It, yeah, it really just because is. you are really the, the big hot thing coming out of South by Southwest does it in no means guarantees success. Uh, same question to you, Simon. Over the next few days, what are you going to be looking for? Well, I think I, I really like that Maddie brings up media because I think that's it's very interesting to see how technology changes entire industries. Um, I guess it was about 10 years ago or so that Netflix started doing the online streaming, right? And a lot of people thought Reed Hastings was kind of crazy. They were like, hey, you've got this great, incredibly profitable you DVD by mail. you got a good thing mail. going, you got a great thing going. You know, what are you doing putting everything up on the internet? And boy, was he right. I mean, he's got so much data on everybody's preferences now that he can selectively pick shows to put on Netflix that are going to be incredibly profitable. Um, and media has been an early adopter of all of this cloud-based data that we're providing. And the industry that's a slow adopter to this has been the healthcare industry. There's a lot of skepticism of, hey, I don't want my personal healthcare records up in the cloud, and this is highly regulated, and this is my health, and stuff like that. But now the government is really putting the nudge on the entire industry to say, hey, you need to have electronic healthcare records or face fines. It started with the fines, now it's, now it's penalties for not having an EHR for, for a lot of practices. And so now you, you're able to look at large populations, you strip out the personal information out of that, but you can really improve the treatments of diseases out there. And now that you can see into the genome of people, you can actually create fixes to those problems. And so the company that, that we threw on the watch list just this last month for, for a million dollar portfolio was a company called Cerner, who for 40 years now has been, has been doing electronic equipment, financial equipment, operational equipment for hospitals, and they're really making a lot of cool progress in that field. So it's going to be real interesting to see how data changes healthcare. All right, that's going to do it for the first installment. Guys, thanks for being here. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against, so don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That does it for this edition of Market Foolery. The show is mixed by Dan Boyd. I'm Chris Hill. Thanks for listening. We'll see you tomorrow.